Thought Leadership Studio. You're listening to Thought Leadership Studio, the podcast that helps you master high-level positive mass influence to create distinctive business niches, captivate an audience, grow your following, and change the game by changing the frame with strategic thought leadership. Thought Leadership Studio. Welcome back to Thought Leadership Studio. I'm your host, Chris McNeil, and this is episode 52 with The Balance Man, an interview with Dr. Travis Perry. Want to grow? Grow with balance. Get your time and your life back with insights from Dr. Travis Perry. What this episode will do for you is help you discover the catalyst for authorship and learn what inspired Dr. Travis Perry to become an author and elevate his thought leadership, offering valuable lessons for aspiring writers and those seeking to promote their books effectively. To unearth the power of self-awareness and explore the pivotal role of self-awareness in achieving balance in life and business, and how recognizing the need for change can lead to profound personal and professional growth. To embrace the Make Time Method. Dr. Perry introduces the Make Time Method, a practical approach to supercharging productivity while maintaining work-life balance. Learn to focus on your sweet spot, set boundaries, and maximize your efficiency. And to overcome subconscious fears, to delve into the concept of fear in both the fear of failure and the fear of success. And Dr. Perry explains how understanding and addressing these subconscious fears can unlock your full potential. Now, before we dive more deeply, it's a reminder about what this podcast is for. Thought Leadership Studio is a workshop in strategic positive influence. So you can consider this podcast an ongoing workshop to help you attain even more peak performance in your thought leadership. Think of the episodes as your library for self-training as a high-performing thought leader. And before I dive into this further, I want to remind you that if you're listening on an app, check out the link in the episode description and that will take you to the episode page on thoughtleadershipstudio.com which has extra resources, a different perspective, that which fits better on a web page than on an audible podcast episode to fill out your learning in this area, as well as links to some free offers. Thought Leadership Studio. So I'm your host of Thought Leadership Studio, Chris McNeil, and I'm sitting here with Dr. Travis Perry, a.k.a. The Balance Man. 
And Travis helps financial professionals grow a balanced business through keynote speaking, best-selling books, and we're going to talk about those, podcast hosting and guesting, and mentoring through the Make Time Institute. Welcome, Travis. Great to have you here. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So we're here to talk about your upcoming book, Balanced Growth, which I think would be of great interest to our listeners, but you've also already published a book called Achieving Balance. And from what I know of our audience, a lot of them are either authors who want to promote their books better or aspiring authors who want to figure out the game before they jump full scale into it. Right. So what inspired you? What was what was your pivotal moment? We like to talk about pivotal moments here, but what was your pivotal yeah. moment where you were inspired to to become an author and to take things to the next level that way? You know, I think, Chris, and number one, thanks for having me. Um, I love talking about pivotal moments of change. I've studied change throughout my life, my career, and help people make change, but also at a PhD level, understand human development. I think all of us have a motivating factor, a catalyst per se, to help us uh, you know, move things forward. Um, for writing a book, when, uh, when I decided, I made the decision that I was leaving the financial planning profession and that I was becoming a coach, that's when I made the decision that I need to write a book. Um, one, because I knew books, they just have the potential to show and showcase to the world your thought leadership. Most of us, we think we want to change people incrementally or change ourselves incrementally. Uh, and, and there's a lot of great research around, hey, just the little things, they build up over time and they can help you long-term make this great change, which I absolutely agree. I think one of the problems though with that mindset is that we have to have an incremental mindset that I'm just going to change a little bit. What I have found is when we can latch on to these catalysts, these, these moments that help us move, um, we can have great, big, huge ideas and focus on that big idea to help others change. My idea was as a financial advisor, I'm helping all these you know, clients of mine with their money, but money's related to their health. It's related to their relationship. It's related to their spirituality. It's related to all these other aspects that quite frankly, I wasn't trained on. And as I started to see problems in all those areas, uh, it really got me thinking, uh, there's more for me to learn and there's more for me to help. So as I broke away as a financial advisor, became a, a balanced coach, I knew that I needed to help others with these same issues and uh, really focus on, on goals in every aspect of life. So it was the power of that idea. And you, you find that ideas take on a life of their own, especially when they're encapsulated in the pages of a book. Totally. And, and they end up being kind of an entity that goes out there as your representative and, and shifting minds, maybe ahead of you even speaking with people because we take on this identity. Yeah, I think we take on the identity. And I think, you know, as I've been studying marketing for the last several years, you know, it's one thing to have an idea. <laughs> it's another to actually bring it to market so that people a know who you are, b know how to get in contact with you and want to work with you. I've realized that brands, while you know important, when you can attach them to what Russell Brunson calls an attractive character. Now I'm not talking 
you know, physically attractive and you have to be somehow, um, you know, good looking or whatnot, of course it helps. And so, uh, you know, that's, that's a part of charisma and things, but to be real with people, to be personal, you see a lot of social media and people talking about this. They use a different term for it. They may use vulnerability or they may talk about, um, you know, uh, just opening up and, you know, behind the curtain type of thing. But the more that you as the attractive character for your business as a thought leader can let people in to know about you and who you are, uh, the more that they will connect and want to connect with you and you will become the brand. So that's why I'm AKA balance man. I found that, you know, I can talk about balance all day long and I've written a book called achieving balance and reading, writing another book called balance growth. So how to grow your business by keeping that balance. But if I'm not the guy who can illustrate what balance looks like and can be, um, you know, showing the world how the business is growing, even if I'm only working 25 hours a week and taking 15, 16 weeks off a year, if I can't do that, then people won't really relate. They won't relate to my brand, Make Time Institute. They're going to re relate more to Travis Perry, who is the attractive character of the company. Right. Otherwise, it'd be like a personal trainer who smokes and drinks and is 100 pounds sure. overweight. You know? <laughs> sure. Exactly. People, people look for folks to role model. That's, that's, a big, that's a big part of learning, you know, walking your talk. So how much of it is coming from what I might call the belief system that wealth is denominated in multiple forms and money is certainly one of them, but it's not the only one. But if you have the rest, money generally comes along with it. Yeah, I would say when I look at the balance uh, methodology we've come up with, we've come up with something we call the make time method where most of us, we use so much of our time mm -hmm. in work, in attracting wealth and bringing wealth into our life, uh, that we become workaholics and our society is okay with it. Our society is like, yeah, it's fine. Like, it, In fact, we wear like a badge of honor sometimes. Like I'm a workaholic and I'm proud of it. I can work from anywhere now and, um, you know, that's a great thing. Yet at the same time, if we're not making time for the highest priorities in our lives, which are typically our, our health, our spiritual, physical, mental health, our relationships, spouse, family, friends, if we're not doing those things that really um, are most important to us, then we're creating stress in our own life. And we're also neglecting those aspects of our life that eventually will crumble, they'll break, they'll fall apart, whatever you want to you know, call it. Um, it's been really sad to interview over, uh, you know, energizing, but sad to see, you know, over a thousand interviews we've done for now achieving balance and balanced growth, asking people about what is balance and what have they struggled with. And a lot have come to the point where they didn't realize they were workaholics until two or three marriages in. And, so you know, it's self-awareness is a big part of it then. Huge, huge. Um, that, you know, part of change is going, well, wow, wow, I actually need help. <laughs> sure. I'm in a spot where this is a problem. For me, I was, I had a self-awareness, uh, you know, pivotal moment. Like you, you like to talk about when my father, who was 49, um, was on a mountain bike ride, just normal average mountain bike ride that he normally does every day. And he died very suddenly of a heart attack on that ride. I'm sorry to hear that. 
Oh, I appreciate that. And I detail it more, uh, you know, in achieving balance is the intro. We talk about how that really helped me, but it was a life changing experience for our entire family. For me to look at my life as a 26 year old and say, what in the world? Like I didn't ever think that this would ever be part of, you know, my genetics or, uh, you know, lifestyle that this would somehow creep into someone who's that healthy. And I'm just like my dad, I'm healthy, I'm active and fit. And what do I need to do? So that, that began this journey of, uh, of self-reflection. And that was the catalyst to say, okay, it's now time to have way better balance and get out of the workaholic trap that I was in. And part of what I'm understanding and correct me if I'm wrong, is that by stepping back, becoming more self-aware, assessing the need to balance and balancing these things, the things that you were sacrificing that balance for before actually perform better. Yeah, no, precisely. So that I'm glad paradoxical, I guess, but you're, you're going against the grain a little bit of some deep and, deeply ingrained beliefs in society where we're just being driven to do more and do more, but sometimes do less and be aware more perhaps, or how would you, how would you phrase that? What would be those first steps? If someone's listening to this and wondering, well, I only worked 120 hours last week. I wonder if I'm out of balance. How would I, (laughs) how, how would they know that? And what would be some initial steps they might take to address things? On average, entrepreneurs work 72 hours per week. Oh, that's it. That's average. I'm joking. That's a lot, but I've yeah, been, it's I've a lot. There. It's a there. lot, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, a typical W two employee is working thirty one to be full time. Forty is pretty average full time. Um, so it's it's a different lifestyle. Like they're putting blood, sweat, tears, extra hours over the weekends at nights, and this idea that you have to somehow be a workaholic to start a business is baloney. It is an idea that I think a lot of thought leaders like to put out that look how great I am and look what I've done to sacrifice and get here. And everybody loves a good story of sacrifice. Everybody loves the story of someone who's down and out, who's been able to beat all odds and raise to the top. Like It's just storytelling. The reality is, if you look into a lot of these, the lives of some very famous influencers they're not married any longer. They don't have a relationship with their children. Their health has gone to pot. They have got a lot of problems internally, mentally, uh, emotionally that they're struggling with because they've put all of that on hold. The, the question we have to ask ourselves is, do we want to be you know, mega wealthy and mega this or the other, you know, um, famous and influential? Um, or do we want to live our highest priorities and have internal uh, balance and um, and and uh, the stress, the internal stress of constantly wanting to be one person but striving to be another, that can go away. Like that, that's balance. So what I found is the make time method. This is the practical side. What can we do? The make time method is simply this: be super productive at work. Most of us especially because we're entrepreneurs, we're business owners, we're thought leaders, we think we have to spend all this time. But most of us have five main activities that if we just stuck to those and did nothing else, deleted, delegated, minimized, or use automation to take care of all the other things, 
build a great team, you know, along with this, it's fine. Um, that we would just focus on those five, we would be three to five times more productive than we are today. I started as a financial advisor and I was told you got to work nights, you got to work weekends. You have to, you know, just for the first five years, you're not going to make it. And in that very first year, I had my, you know, or second year, I had my best year ever. And some of the best years that, uh, you know, anyone else has had, we, we had some rankings that uh, we looked at throughout the whole company and I was in the top 10%. I was working less than anybody else on the team. I was not working nights. I was not working weekends. I figured out how to be more productive. I hired people when I was an intern. I was hiring people to work for me because I knew if I just showed up and found people that were my ideal clients, I worked with them, got referrals. Everyone else could do the paperwork. Other people could do the phone calls. Other people could do underwriting, et cetera, et cetera. So I figured out very early, if I could be more productive, I could spend less time, which means I could mountain bike more. I could be with my kids more. I could serve in my church, in my community, hang out with friends, whatever. But there's that uh, ego that says, no, 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 you got you to do more to have more. And you've got to be, you know, that sought after person all the time that people go to. That's a very dangerous path. So well, number one, more productive. Awesome. I don't mean to interrupt you. Um, no, you're good. I'm good. I just want to regurgitate a little bit to encapsulate both for myself and for the listener, make sure we're catching some key points here. And one of them is separating output from how much time you work. So you don't judge your productivity by I work this many hours a day. You judge it by how much you achieved. And maybe that is related to the belief that work will expand to whatever time you allot for it. Yes. And if you put some boundaries around it and actually yes. released I a, a weird personal habit it just came to me intuitively once because I'm a musician and I'm not performing professionally now, but I have during sure. times of my life and it's a lot of fun. Um, and I realized that I'm doing certain kinds of work, like writing content and such. If I, instead of doing it straight through for a few hours, if I do it 20 minutes and then go practice guitar for 10 minutes, I actually achieve more. Yeah. And I don't know if that's something about the left, right so brain, true. you know, going into a different part of the brain to get a rest for that. So I unconsciously maybe think of things that then come out in the next phase of content. I don't know, but yeah. that's been very powerful for me to block off time. I achieve more that way. Do you find that's a dynamic? 100%. So what you're talking about is Parkinson's law, right? And, you know, the amount of time that we set to do a project uh, work for a client, um, prepare for a speech or write a book. That's how long it's going to take us. If I told you my next book, I'm going to have done in two weeks. I get it done in two weeks. If I tell you it's coming out at the end of the year, which it is, uh, it, you know, it's going to come out at the end of the year because I'm going to set my, my time frame. So that said, uh, with some exceptions, um, most of us, that's how we operate. We give ourselves deadlines. We give ourselves um, time frames, and we time block. We move backwards. If we can focus on what I call your sweet spot, your top five activities that are most effective, most productive, that's the Pareto principle. It's the 80-20 rule. Most of my clients I've ever worked with, they're 20-25% in their work sweet spot, their top five. That's it. 20-25% to 25 on a weekly average. Why? 
because they let these other things that they should delegate, delete, automate, minimize in because they feel like they have to take care of everything. They don't know how to delegate. They don't know how to create systems and processes in place so their business can can um, keep working. Uh, you mentioned so something. It's oh, like sorry. I'm running this auto repair shop at, and I have a chain of 10 of them, but nobody can change the bolts on a wheel like I can. <laughs> right. So I'm, gonna make I'm sure the I best at that. that. Is that the thing we're talking about? That is perfect. That's a great analogy. It's like, really? You're going to change every tire? That's not ownership. I like to look at business uh, in several ways. Like I, I love soccer. I played soccer growing up. It doesn't matter what sport you played. You can, you can use the analogy. If you're on the field and you're running around playing offense and you're playing defense and you're goalie, like if you're playing all the positions then you're not really, you're not the coach on the side of the field, you know, calling plays and, 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 uh, you know, encouraging and, and organizing. You're also not the guy up in the glass, you know, booth in the VIP lounge, you know, eating, you know, your four course meal while you're watching the game. That's where the owners are. The owners are up in the booth. The CEOs, the C-suite, they're on the sidelines. The employees are on the field. They're the ones who, you know, are, are doing really all, a lot of that, that work on the field, they're performing. And you just have to ask yourself, what kind of business owner am I? Because if you're on the field, then you probably have a practice. If you're on the sideline and you're doing a lot of coaching, you're probably in C-suite position. You're in a managerial position. If you're truly just a business owner, then you own the business and you're checking in. Hey, how is how's the coaching doing? What what's the C-suite up to? What are the manager managers you know involved in? It doesn't matter how big the business is, doesn't matter if it's private or public, the concept is sound. So in order to decide where you want to be, you have to have boundaries. You mentioned this a little bit earlier. You can be super productive. But what I find is a lot of people, they allow that productivity to say, ooh, now I can work more and get more done. And so instead of like taking time off going on vacations, relaxing and playing their guitar, or doing whatever it is to release the stress of daily work, they just work more. And now they know how to be productive. Now they're what I call a productive workaholic. They're working 70 hours a week and they uh, just can't stop. And that, that, that can be addictive and that can definitely be um, diagnosed. Well, yeah. And then you're trying to chop down the tree or saw the tree with a really worn out saw because you're never taking time out to Stephen Covey's words. I'm sure. Yeah, it's a very good Coveyism. The sharp and the saw. Yep. And I'm getting, I'm also getting a bit about the need to be an organizational thinker, systems thinker, so to speak, and be able to step back and design systems to take up the work that you were doing and maybe address the belief systems of, I have to do it all. Nobody can do it as well as me. Um, or have to be working all the time to succeed and step back and maybe ask things like, where, where did those come from? How do I know that? Yeah. Is that really true? And what kind yeah. of, what kind of belief systems would you replace those with? If you had a totally malleable client hooked up to a neuroplasticity machine where you could program him to think whatever way you wanted about balance, <laughs> his own best interest or her own best interest, what kind of belief systems would you program in? Yeah, those are good questions. Um, I think to address the the belief systems, most of us are stuck in two different categories of fear. I talk about this at the end of my book, Achieving Balance, talk about mindset. Unfortunately, a lot of us are motivated by fear. 
Fear is a great short-term motivator and it's a horrible servant uh, because over time, um, you can become accustomed to it of just living in fear and you make decisions out of fear. Uh, the best motivator by far is love and that internal motivation, love of, uh, could be of God, love of, you know, uh, an appreciation for your physical body, just the fact that you're, you know, have one and you can operate and it's healthy and love of family and friends. Again, it comes back to those balanced motivators. I call those your internal motivation. When the internal motivation or drive for you to succeed in these other areas are greater than your drive to succeed in work, then you'll have a comfortable boundary. I suggest people, um, you know, decide how many hours do you want to work? Okay, 30 hours a week. Great. Now build in boundaries of all these other areas when you're going to do these other things in an ideal calendar, but they're afraid. And so you know what they're going to do is they say, yeah, 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 I'll do that when, when my business is doing better. I'll do that when, and because it's out of fear, they're afraid that if they don't work the nights, they don't work the weekends, uh, they're going to miss out. They're going to they're gonna miss out on something. Or, and that's the one part of the fear tree. The fear tree has two aspects, fear of failure, fear of success. Or they're afraid that they actually might succeed. Again, these are subconscious fears. These are not conscious logical fear at all. You know, a fear of falling off the edge of a cliff keeps you alive, but these subconscious fears will keep you stuck. If you have a subconscious fear of succeeding, then you it might show up as, well, if I'm really successful in business and other people find out, how will I be talked about at church or in my community or my family? And what will people think about me? Um, if I drive that Mercedes or if I'm in a gated community or fly a private jet instead of the commercial airlines, uh, how will uh, others perceive me? And I have found that those who come from really tough backgrounds, they struggle with fear of success because they don't want other people to feel bad uh, about their success. It's Again, it's, these are subconscious fears, but they're legitimate. And uh, they, I found them in clients that just, they have this fear and scarcity mindset until they can get past these blocks, this, this mindset. They won't ever build an ideal calendar. They won't set boundaries. They won't be as productive as they possibly can because of the underlying subconscious blocks that are keeping them there. And, and what would you replace those blocks with? What new, more empowering belief systems. Yeah, I think first you have to identify what those are. Once you have identified, you know, how do you replace it? Um, that's a, that's exactly it. There's actually several ways you could do this. You replace, reframe, uh, and forgive. Replace is, is quite a simple thing. You can train yourself to have these ideas that, hey, if I'm afraid of being successful, you can program the brain through various exercises to replace that thought every time you have it with a new thought. The brain is fantastic. We can talk about neuroscience all day long, but essentially it's like a spider web of thoughts. We think, you know, the word red, we think ambulance, ambulance, car crash, car crash, hospital, hospital, grandma, grandma, family reunion, uh, hot dogs. All of a sudden we've gone from red to hot dogs in, you know, a nanosecond. That's how our brains work. So in order to reprogram, we have to take a pathway that we've been on for a very long time of, well, got to work 90 hours or else I'm not going to, you know, get this 
book out or my podcast started or on stage or have a successful, you know, consulting career, whatever it is. Um, and if that is your mindset, in order to reprogram, you simply decide what your new and effective outlook needs to be. Reprogram with a new um, sentence structure, with a new thought pattern. And you, every time you find yourself having that thought, you can reprogram it, say it out loud, look at it, focus on it, meditate, pray about it, journal it. There's all sorts of things you can do. Yeah. Um, Maybe you know, that's action that's consistent with the new belief to prove it to yourself. That's who you're becoming. Exactly. So, you know, the reframe, uh, you might just look at, oh man, I and, and some of the fears might come from past failures. I'm going to fail again. Reframe it. Wow. Look what I learned from my mistakes. Look what I'm going to do better. That is abundance mentality. That's not scarcity. And then your actions, behavioral uh, psychologists are very, very adamant that you can measure psychological behavior by act, you know, how people act, but you can act out what it is you believe and take it a step further um, so that you can take action toward it. Anytime you take action towards something that you're afraid of, you're now going against that subconscious block and it'll, it'll be broken. The last one I, I like to talk about is forgiveness. Sometimes we need to forgive our parents of things that maybe we think they did wrong to us as kids. That could be financially. Oh, my parents never provided this or the other, or they gave me bad advice, or maybe it's a business partner. Maybe it's a spouse, family member. Um, forgiveness is really important to let go. Stop harboring these negative feelings because those negative feelings only will take energy away from you trying to direct your energy or positive, energetic goals that you have for your future. So I, I find those to be very effective in trying to redirect those pathways in your brain and uh, exceptionally helpful for those who are stuck in some kind of fear trap psychologically. And, and I love it. And I, I like the wisdom of the perhaps to some counterintuitive notion that you can achieve more by doing less sometimes because then the person that you're bringing to your work is a more whole person absolutely you're more fulfilled you're better for your clients right you're better for whoever it is that you're serving you know and i found this as i was writing the book achieving balance here's all these principles that we've been talking about productivity balance uh, boundaries um fear and what i noticed is that uh you know and you asked me about this uh, pivotal moment where I wanted to write the book, I spent 10 years trying to figure out how to write this book. <laughs> 10 years really? after my dad died, you know, I was like, okay, I'm actually going to write this thing. This, this is really when I, I made the mental know, like, okay, time to write it. So I started writing an ebook. I wrote a blog. I was told you got to write a blog first, then do an ebook, and then you need to do your PhD. So, I mean, I wasn't that naive. I knew that a PhD isn't going to lead to a book deal, but it couldn't hurt. And the knowledge that I learned allowed me to test what I wrote about in achieving balance. It's very uh, research-based, okay? So there's a, there's a lot of research built in that that's simple to understand. Um, but what I noticed is that most of us have this idea that somehow we have to achieve all these other things before we can write something. If you're um, an expert, and an expert if we, if we boil this down, um, is 
really someone who spent at least 10,000 hours, you know, specifically in one thing. Um, that comes from a whole different mindset uh, and topic we, we don't have time for right now, but just go with me, 10,000 hours. If you spent, you know, several years in your profession, depending on how many hours you've worked or studied, you add up all your academic study plus your training. And, you know, a lot of us hit this by 15, maybe 20 years in. If that's where you're at and you feel like you are an expert, you're a thought leader, quit wasting time, quit putting it off, get it out there, find a way to make this possible. But again, I, I had all these ideas. I had to achieve all these things before I wrote the book. What I know now versus where I was 10 years ago, I wish I would have wrote the book 10 years ago because the book was the single best thing that I ever did to launch and market my consulting business, my coaching business, my speaking business. All of this allowed me to you know, double my fees, triple my income every single year since the book, even through COVID, um, which actually was one of our best years ever to that point. Um, and it's not just in the writing of the text, it's how you market it. It's how you can organically get the book out it allows me to be on cool podcasts like these. I get on stages all over the country and the world. I've, I've spoken internationally. Um, but really, the book is the single best thing we've ever done. That's great. And I'm sure there are plenty of listeners who are thinking, I need to write a book. Or maybe I need to do more with my book or books. What are the top several things that you've learned since writing your book, and you've already given us some of this, I know, but just to kind of encapsulate it in a short punch list yeah. that surprised you that you think would be helpful for a upcoming author to know going in that would, might surprise them too. Yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll tailor this to upcoming and then I'll talk about those who have already written one and, and what can you do with, with the work you've already done. Um, so really great question. Coming into writing this book, Achieving Balance, I thought, well, gee, I've got all of the content. I will, I'm going to write this fictional story because um, a lot of business you know, novels are kind of these, these fictional uh, stories of, of characters and weave the concepts in throughout, which I've seen a lot of. Um, and I did that. I actually wrote that manuscript in 2019. That was my goal. 2020, I started looking for publishers and then this COVID thing started coming up and I didn't know what this was all about, but I was just pushing through. I was ignoring it <laughs> for as long as possible. And I started meeting up with some individuals and some coaches and some publishers. And one of them said, hey, all you need to do if you have your finished manuscript is you just need to publish it with us. And then you need to use PR and just blast everybody and market and advertise. And um, I thought, okay, that's interesting. Um, I was ready to do it. And then I talked to another gentleman who became my coach. His name was Trevor. And Trevor said, you know what, Travis, you wrote the wrong book. And I said, excuse me? <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, I spent 10 years. I did all this research. I did, you know, I did a PhD. That's what are you talking about, man? That, that's really offensive. He's like, no offense. The work is probably great. You did it the wrong way. And I sat back and I said, tell me more. He's like, well, you didn't involve your audience. You didn't involve people around you that would possibly become your ideal clients through the process. So he taught me how to do that organically. Um, since the book, we've done $1.5 million in speaking fees, sales, um, coaching fees, consulting fees. 
uh, training fees for, uh, with, with just the book as the marketing piece. Um, it absolutely works when you involve others. I call this invitology. I invite people to be interviewed for my book. I invite them to be interviewed on my podcast. And most people will raise their hand and say, I'd like you to tell me more. I'd like to learn more about what you're doing. And because it's so different and unique, we set ourselves apart from everyone else who's trying to use ads and advertising, marketing, branding techniques that, that have worked. They're just not working anymore. People That's are right. becoming saturated. I can absolutely saturated. I can completely relate to that. Yeah. I so then, marketing yeah. from the outside in instead of from the top down. Exactly. So what we do is we invite people. And I, I, I'd like to say I've come up with Invitology as our, our uh, kind of our, our methodology that's part of the Balanced Growth Method. I'm writing the book, Balanced Growth. You can get it at balancedgrowthbook.com on pre-order for, for free right now. Um, we'll have that written by the end of the year. But the reality is Invitology allows you to identify who is your niche. Just go after the people that really need it now. And work with them. Over time, it, your, your reach will grow. Your book will reach other people. Your speech on stage will reach other people. Your podcast will reach others. But focus on the ones who need you now. Mm -hmm. And still build your long game through all the content pieces you're creating. A book never goes away. And you can revise it. A podcast, you can always rename it. You can always um, you know, do a different season of it. But you can bring people on forever. Um, we've done over 150 podcast episodes now, awesome. and it, it is the second mo best producing way of of finding uh, those people who need us right now. My 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 ideal client. Um, but you've got to find a niche. You've got to decide. I'm going to be a big fish in a small pond with this specific group. You can be famous to them. You don't have to be Gary Vee, Grant Cardone, Tony Robbins, Brent Burchard. You don't have to be everything to all people. But you can build a really great niche, and then you can expand it and grow it over time if you want, if you want. Um, and that has been the secret to how Invitology works, to, to get people to um, really be involved in every project I do. And that's, that's the organic marketing, zero Facebook ads, zero Google, zero Zuckerberg. Uh, <laughs> And that's the way we like it. We're about 93% profitable as a business. I've got a couple of, you awesome. know, a virtual assistants and it's, it's the way to go. That, I, I love that. And it, it really speaks to my own personal beliefs and values about marketing as well. And that there's, there's people out there, no matter if you, if, like you said, if you've built expertise, if you got your 10,000 hours in, if you've defined your niche, there are people already looking for help that you can give them. Right. And if you feed them what they're looking for, if you know how to answer their questions through a book, through a podcast, through organic media that they will find, and if you look at it from their point of view, if you step over to the customer side, because we were talking earlier about points of view of going from working in the business to working on the business, and I think it's Michael Gerber's terms, author yes. Smith, which Michael is not, Gerber's. which is yeah. a very good book. I don't go with everything in it, but most of the oh, stuff sure. is sure. spot on for people that are in those beginning stages of starting a business and initially thinking they have to do everything, but no, you have to build systems. 
you know, exactly. so it's a shift to a systems view. Now we're talking about a shift from the outside in audience view, where instead of marketing from the top down and figured out how can we target as many people as possible, you're saying and looking at stepping to where the customer is and looking at how it looks from their point of view and give them what they want by listening to them really well. Yeah, think about all the wasted marketing dollars people spend, <clears throat> excuse me, on ads or placements or events. Think yep. of all the things that we've done, webinars, seminars, the things that you know don't, they don't even light a candle to what we're able to do now. And then think of LinkedIn. LinkedIn is the number one business platform out there. Period. End of story. Stop. I don't care what you say about anything else. It just there's there's millions of people on this platform, and they're looking for help. Um, they're not looking for jobs. All of them. Some are, um, but they're looking for help. And we've been able to automate that process. So you're exactly right, Chris, when you talk about being productive, we're productive with our marketing. We're very efficient with who we talk to. And we are, are very good with then deciding, do we want to continue working with these people? They're not just demographics. It's not just age, income, marital status, you know, location. It's what, what do they value? What is their personality like? What is it that they enjoy doing in their spare time? Um, you know, what what are their beliefs? All of those things, if they don't match up, then they're, they may be an ideal client on paper. But when you go to interact with them, they're not going to be the types of people you like serving. Therefore, you're not going to serve them well. They won't feel served well. They won't be raving fans. Your business will stagnate. And why would you want to have a stagnant business that plateaus with people you don't like working with? Nobody wants that. You want a constant flowing business, regardless of how fast or high, you want it to be flowing and you want people to love and rave about your business and you, you want to give them a transformational process and experience that they will just tell everybody about because they can't help it. In my book, Balanced Growth, we talk about transformational systems, how to build them. We talk about how to find your niche and how to use automation to, to reach out and invite them into your world that thought leaders are all about spreading That's these awesome. big ideas. And then for you know, the listener, I'm, I'm going to link to all of this. Um, the, yeah. the Amazon page for Travis's book, Balanced Growth, to pre-order that. And his podcast, his website, it's all going to be linked on the episode page on thoughtleadershipstudio.com. So if you're listening on an app, the link is in the description. Hop there, you'll get all of this stuff. And and Travis, this has been great. Very, very yes. inspirational to the listener who wants to have more insight as to how to organically market, uh, more motivation to either write a book or do more with a book or multiple books. Right. Have, have the insight of the multiple perspectives on business that give you a balanced life, more perspective on being a human, or if you neglect <laughs> other parts of yourself, you know, to me, excellence requires excellence in all areas. Right. Exactly. And so it's being balanced with your excellence. It's, it's been great. So if you could leave our listener with the top three things that they can do right away to take advantage of what they can learn from you or learn from you listening to you today, what would those three things be, first of all? And second, just to get um, spoken on the podcast, what's the best way for people to reach out to you to learn more? Yeah, I appreciate that. 
And, you know, this has been a fun conversation. We could go on and on. As we know, this is so uh, fun to talk about. I would say the most important things is know what your highest priorities are. If you don't know what those are um, or have never written them down, do that first. That's the most important piece. Anyone can build a business. Anyone can. Um, it, it, the, these, this day and age, like so many barriers are broken down. But if you build it without balance, if you're growing it without balance, we know it's, what's going to happen. We've talked about that. So know what your highest priorities are. Write those down and make time for them. Second, get the book Achieving Balance to be more productive. <laughs> it's hard not to self-promote. Like this is a topic that you know um, I actually learned from Michael Gerber from one of his first coaches. So I consider myself his grandson. Uh, he doesn't know me, but you know I, I've I've known about his systems forever and ever and ever. And if you do not have business systems, that's one thing. But what's worse is if you don't have personal systems to help with your time management and your energy management and your uh, just boundaries that produce balance, not just productivity, but balance, you're going to burn out in the process. And you're going to try to make time for your highest priorities, but you might burn out there too um, as you're trying to do all things for all people. So I, I highly recommend utilizing the make time method and achieving balance. The third is that, you know, we need to really define who is our ideal client, our niche, our demographic, our psychographic is what we call it, and decide who do you love working with. Work more with that particular avatar. Don't spend your time trying to be all things to all people, but really niche down. And the riches are in the niches. In fact, the more, the deeper you get into the niche, the more popular you're going to be with that following. And they will tell everyone about you. Um, and as you do that, as you build a business like this, you will grow and you will keep your balance. If you do one other thing that we didn't talk about, last thing, and that is um, involve your family and your keep just trying to do it on your own as you're building your business, um, you'll fall you know, back into the workaholic trap from time to time. If you have constant accountability with the people who matter the most to you, they're going to help you and you're going to work together with them to move forward uh, without continually falling off the wagon. Fantastic. And what's the best way for people to reach you if someone's listening to this and say, say, I want to learn more? Yeah, go to balancegrowthbook.com. That's balanced with a D at the end, growthbook.com. Or you can find me at Travis Perry with an A. Dot com, my podcast, my book, my speaking uh, availability, all that's there. Interact with me there or on LinkedIn. Um, it's Dr. Travis Perry. Great. And Dr. Travis Perry, it's been great having you on the podcast. Thank you, Chris, for having me. Yes, sir. Have a great rest of your day. Thought Leadership Studio. So thanks again for listening to Thought Leadership Studio. I'm your host, Chris McNeil, and I hope this episode with Dr. Travis Perry has been as helpful for you as meeting Dr. Perry and learning his insights into gaining balance and getting your time back. 
has been for me. So if you're listening on an app, make sure you click on the episode page link, which is in the episode description on your app. And that'll take you to the episode page where we have links to resources like Dr. Perry's LinkedIn page, Dr. Perry's website, and also the free ebook that we offer called The Marketer's Guide to Strategic Thought Leadership, which will help you in organizing the building blocks of your own strategic thought leadership. Again, I'm your host, strategic thought leadership coach and consultant, founder of Thought Inc. and creator of the Thought Method of Strategic Thought Leadership, Chris McNeil. It's been great to have you, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Thought Leadership Studio.